Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the founder and head coach at Straight Shot Training, a personal training company dedicated to helping people of all fitness levels move better, feel better, and live better with progressive functional strength and conditioning workouts. On the show today, I'm joined by Straight Shot co-owner Chris Lewis and coach Delaney Bodner as we tackle some of the questions we received from you all on social media. We cover whether or not you need to return to a gym, plant versus animal protein in your diet, how to get stronger with chin-ups, more sleep versus early morning workouts, and the correct steps to becoming a personal trainer. You'll hear us talking about remote coaching throughout the episode because it's what we do here at Straight Shot. Whether you want to train at your house with an in-home personal trainer, do sessions in real time with your coach virtually via video chat, or follow a custom program through our app with accountability and guidance from your coach, we're here for you. However it is that you would like to train with us, we would like to train you where you are at. So head over to straightshottraining.com and click request a coach to get started today. All right, you've got questions and we have answers. Here's our chat. All right, so our first question is from Kyle. Kyle asks, should I go back to the gym? And some backstory, he added to this question on Facebook where he left it that he's gained some weight over COVID and he's looking to get back in shape. So he wants to know, you know, is it worth going back to a gym for him to work on losing weight and getting active again after being inactive over quarantine? So I'll let you all take this one first. Should Kyle go back to the gym? It is a philosophical question and a comfort, you know, feeling right now for people and whether, you know, they feel comfortable enough and being around people. I think, you know, with more and more people being vaccinated, you know, the easier you're going to feel about getting back in there. But honestly, you know, for him, it sounds like uh, he could have been, you know, taking advantage of this, you know, kind of downtime to be doing a lot of stuff, but we really could have helped him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess that's kind of coaching is, is the thing that I think is maybe people think is missing from their routines. And obviously we've made now, you know, this is our career now that we have is coaching people away from gyms right now. But um, I think just going back to the gym, just to, to work out is we've learned in the past year is not necessary. You don't have to work out at a gym to lose weight, get in shape, or even get strong if you have enough equipment. Now, I guess I would ask Kyle, no, do you have equipment that you can work out with at home? Can you make yourself work out at home? Because for a lot of people, going back to the gym means making that you know commitment. You're driving to the gym. You have to block out that time for it. It's really helpful for people to have that because they may not just jump right into it at home. Um, so equipment, uh, do you need to be at a gym in order to stay motivated? And the biggest one is, are you going to the gym for instruction? And, you know, we do instruction for people, whether it's in home or virtual via zoom or through our app, we do remote instruction. But if you prefer instruction in person, you can only get that at a gym, then that might be a reason to go back to a gym. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and you, you had a podcast, uh, what, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, on motivation versus dedication. 
And, you know, the, one of the things Kyle may want to look at is what, you know, is driving things um, because it is that dedication that uh, will really get the results um, that he's probably looking for. Um, Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. You don't need to go back to the gym. If you got enough stuff uh, to do uh, some things, and again, you don't need a, a ton of stuff. You know, yeah. But uh, um, it's, it's for him, I'm thinking maybe more, you know, looking at what is what is driving his desire, you know, uh, what are his goals and, and what, what will make him dedicated to do. Sorry, Delaney, Delaney I'm talking too much. <laughs> what? Hello? You <laughs> said I was talking Hello. too much, Delaney. I didn't let you get in there. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. I'm trying not to, like, I, I feel like my voice sounds really bad because my allergies, so I'm I'm fine with not doing, like, a ton. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I think it... Yeah, I think it depends on like the person. It depends on the goals. Like if you have like the resources to be able to not even have a ton of equipment, but just have like what you need at home, you can do like we can get really creative as coaches for our clients that are working out from home with limited equipment. And you can do a ton of stuff. You can do a lot more than what you think you can with just your body weight and with some bands and with some dumbbells and maybe like a kettlebell or two or something like that. Um, So I think like... Definitely for most people, I think you definitely don't have to go back to a gym. Like you absolutely can get a lot of stuff done. Um, I know some people like don't have like the the means or like the resources to really afford any equipment. So like in that case, it would be more worth it. Um, but if you can you can you can still get super in super good shape and reach your goals, even with just doing like some limited equipment exercise like you can get so much out of it so you most people honestly don't even really need to you can just use what you have and get creative <laughs> or let yeah. us get creative for you yeah yeah and and that's that's the thing that Delaney what you were saying actually both of you were saying about what your goals are and you know what's what's driving you if you have strength goals you're gonna you're gonna have to have more external load maybe than you have at your house and you can get mm-hmm. decently strong with stuff you have and we mm-hmm. can get creative but there's a certain point that you know if you want to have a really you know heavy squat or deadlift you can't just deadlift dumbbells at your house and get better so that would maybe <laughs> yeah. be a reason but for weight loss you know weight loss happens in the kitchen and by moving more and you know having a higher metabolic rate throughout the day so you know if you're just trying to mm-hmm. lose weight you need to maintain your muscle mass and you need to be in a caloric deficit in order to lose weight. You can maintain your muscle mass as long as you have sufficient volume and time under tension and sufficient protein, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And you're in a caloric deficit that's just slight enough that you're not going to be losing too much weight too fast. You can absolutely lose weight and maintain your muscle mass working out at home with limited equipment. Um, So I would really say, you know, if you're going to go back to the gym, do it because there's equipment there that you actually need for something you're trying to accomplish or there's instruction there that you aren't able to get access to at home for one reason or the other. But as we've seen over the past year, you know, with, with virtual coaching, remote coaching, you don't have to go to the gym to receive that instruction. But some people do need that in-person instruction, which is why, you know, we've done well with in-home training over the past year. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm totally fine not going back to a gym right now. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So let's jump into our next question here. This is from Bridget. Bridget asks, macronutrients seems more complicated when trying to go more plant-based because the protein seems very high. 
I'm guessing she means protein recommendations are seen very high. She says some plant-based experts say our protein needs are much lower than what we've come to believe. So many opinions help. So <laughs> I guess what she's saying is if you're supposed to take in the recommended amount of protein that people in the fitness industry are, take, are saying you need to take in, how do you do that with a plant-based diet? And then on the other end of it, you have the plant-based experts who say, well, you don't actually need that much protein. You can do it all with plant-based diet because you don't actually need that many total grams of protein. So um, there's two, two questions, I guess, to answer here. One is, do people really need as much protein as they're being told? And two, can you get that with a plant-based diet and how do you do that? Well, yeah, this is, this is definitely kind of a tough question because there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming she's she's like you said she's thinking that uh, you know the plant plant based diet um, she, you know there are a lot of good protein uh, products out there, but I think I, I do think you got to kind of answer the question about how much protein um, should you have in your diet. Um, you know, I think I think probably most people get most of their protein in the evenings, you know, the kind of the average people, they get the least probably at breakfast because they're probably eating, you know, mostly carbs. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. they get a little bit more protein at lunch, you know, because they may have a sandwich or whatever. And then they get a lot more protein at dinner because they're having, you know, the main um, uh, protein, some kind of, you know, whether it's chicken, beef, fish, whatever. But um yeah, let's, I, I, let's start back with, you know, what, what's the, what's, what's the, and it probably needs to be broken down into kind of more higher end athletes versus uh, maybe the average person. Yeah, I, th I think that's the biggest thing right there is, are we talking about general health? Or are we talking about for athletes? And if we're talking about athletes, are we talking about an endurance athlete or a soccer player or a swimmer? Or are we talking about a strongman, a competitive weightlifter, power lifter, power sports athlete, football player, hockey player, the protein needs of that range are very, very different because it's based on muscle mass. So for what we right. use with our calculations in the, uh, with, with our straight shot athletes and with us as coaches is we typically use for most people, this is an average 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Now, if a person is carrying a lot of excess body fat, we base that off of their lean body mass, which means we need to know their body fat percentage. And that's kind of the general range, but 0.8 to 1.2 uh, for a 200 pound person would be somewhere between you know 160 and 240 grams. So it's still a big range there. Uh, but I think adequate protein going much lower than 0.8 grams per pound of body weight is not really going to be enough to sustain muscle mass if you're weight training, if you're trying to gain muscle, or if you're trying to lose body fat and maintain your muscle mass. Yeah, and you know, it's I've seen I've seen uh, numbers like 0. 0.5 um, that, for the yeah. kind of the average kind of person. I think that's really low. I think it's way too low. And that's, and that's the big issue that the sports in uh, science industry has had with like the USDA and, and typical, you know, dietitians who tell people, Oh, you don't need that much protein. The problem is they're seeing the average American getting so much of their protein from animal sources that also have super high levels of saturated fat 
and just higher levels of calories overall that they're just saying, well, people need to reduce their protein intake so they can reduce their saturated fat intake so they can reduce their calorie intake rather than advocating that people start eating more, you know, beans and fish and chicken and leaner proteins. Um, yeah, Delaney, what's your protein at? Cause I don't even bother tracking that. Cause I just eat as much protein as I literally can Okay. <laughs> because of my goals. Not like the average person should not probably like it, like if the person with the average, like weight loss, overall wellness goal should not just be like shoveling in protein at every opportunity that they can. Um, yeah. but that's what, what I do for me because I just know that I need it. Um, yeah. but this actually might be helpful. Like I'm, I'm not a plant-based person. Like I, I've never done plant-based, but one of my friends actually is, she's a weightlifter, but she actually is vegetarian. And I don't know if this is helpful for Bridget or not, but what she does with her, with her, um, like to get enough protein in throughout the day is she drinks her protein. So she does, um, I think she does rice protein or pea protein. Um, but she does two of those on her workout days. Um, and then gets her other protein from beans, um, like she doesn't even have eggs or fish or anything. So she, okay. if someone's doing plant-based, but they find that their protein's really low, that's what worked really well for her was just drinking that protein. Um, cause it was a quicker and easier way for her to get it in. Yes. You know, I, I'm looking at my notes here. I'm, I'm realizing that we're going to have to do an entire episode on this because just from that study that I found <laughs> and I got obsessed with reading today, um, because then you get into the question of protein quality. And uh, I'll summarize what the, the study yeah. is actually a, a compilation of studies. Um, it was looking at plant-based protein versus animal protein specifically, not for, you know, general health or anything like that, just on its effects on muscle mass. And what they found was that it, mm -hmm. the animal proteins do have a higher anabolic effect where it helps you build and maintain muscle mass better than plant-based proteins. Typically, the plant-based protein diets were lacking in certain amino acids like leucine, whereas whenever you're eating animal products, you're getting all of those amino acids. So what the recommendations were, and this is what your friend is probably doing with, uh, if she's doing pea protein, um, it's definitely higher in leucine than other, uh, other plant-based proteins. But if you can just take in more plant-based protein, it can help offset the effects of the lack of amino acids that you get by not eating animal-based protein. Um, or, you know, in, in maybe mm -hmm. Bridges case, if Bridges not, you know, strictly following a vegetarian or vegan diet, if you mix in some eggs or mix in some fish, that's what, that's what I do. I really only eat maybe one serving of meat a day. Everything else is either fish or eggs. And then a lot of plant-based proteins, if you're still getting in fish and eggs, you're still hitting all of those amino acids and they're kind of filling in the gaps of what you might be missing on your, your plant-based stuff. But, um, that's, that's, that study was just on maintaining muscle mass. And as you get older, it's extremely important to maintain muscle mass. So what they were looking at was, you know, as you yeah. get older, you know, people are switching to, a lot of people switch to plant-based diets because of, for general health. And there are, you know, there's anti-cancer properties, there's reduced risk of heart disease on plant-based diets. There's, you know, longevity. People tend to live longer if they eat less animal products, but they're losing muscle mass. So how do you maintain your muscle mass if you start eating more plant-based proteins? Um, 
And yeah, like Chris said, 0.5 grams of protein is not going to maintain your muscle mass. No, not and, at all. Yeah. So, and I think what your friend is doing by adding the, adding the liquid protein in might be helpful because honestly, you can only eat so much beans and nuts. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're trying to manage your weight, <laughs> you know, you're getting a lot of carbohydrates when you eat beans and you're getting a lot of fat when you're eating nuts. And if you're trying to hit your protein numbers, you might have your carbs and fats through the roof, just trying to hit your your protein each day. Yeah. What, um, what is your favorite plant-based protein right now? I, I really like Anthony's, uh, Anthony's pea protein that is, uh, you can get off of Amazon comes in big two pound bags cause there's nothing in it. It's literally just yellow pea protein that is just ground up and in a bag. <laughs> There's no flavor. Uh, it, it, it does not mix well. It tastes terrible. Um, but there's absolutely oh. nothing. There's absolutely nothing in it. And it's per tablespoon. Nice. It's less than one gram of carbs, zero fat and eight grams of protein. So, you know, I'll do like a, like a quarter of a cup of that, um, which ends up being like 30 grams of protein. I'll do that, um, in my post-workout, but I only drink one of those a day post-workout for convenience. Everything else is, you know, I eat a lot of whole grains, um, beans, nuts, whole grain bread, things like that, that to get most of my protein. And then I'll eat meat with dinner and then I eat fish at lunch and eggs at breakfast. Yeah, Delaney. What, a, wait, what, what's my favorite plant-based protein? Yeah. what are you using right now? <laughs> Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm actually not kidding. Um, uh, I don't, I mean, beans, I guess would be my best answer for that. Um, I don't do like a supplement of plant-based. Um, I use whey, but, um, in terms of like actual plants that have protein beans, beans are probably like my, uh, my go-to. Uh, let's, I'm going to skip down a question here to Brandon's question. He asks, how do you program for weighted chin-ups? So I'm just assuming then that was all the question said. So I'm assuming that he means how do you increase weight on weighted chin-ups? Delaney, what's your, uh, your best bet here? In terms of the bigger picture, well, no, I'll break it down into like a week. So in terms of a week, um, throughout that week, I would give him accessory exercises that actually helps with chin-ups. Um, so anything that helps strengthen up any type of your upper body pulling muscles. So lats and, and your core too. So anything that strengthens up your core, especially your lats, um, biceps, cause you use your biceps more in chin-ups than you do on pull-ups. Um, and then in terms of the actual pull-ups, the way to progress them, at least how I would program them for him would be to in kind of more of a traditional, like linear fashion. So we would start with a weight that he can handle pretty comfortably. Um, and even if that's no weight, like even if it's, it's his body weight, and work to sets of whatever's pretty close to like his close to failure kind of tipping point and then do that consistently for a block and then increase so add more weight so add more weight to the weighted chin-ups slightly decrease the reps but you still want to make sure he's getting to that level in terms of it being challenging you don't want it to be too easy and then gradually increase over time until he is doing sets of, uh, let's just say hypothetically, like sets of three weighted chin-ups with either close to what he could do for one rep or even at the weight that he used to be able to do for one rep. And then from there, you'd be able to progress the weight on your one rep <laughs> chin-up max. Although the chin-up is a weird thing to do a one rep on, but 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, have you ever done much with weighted pull-ups? No, you know, and, and I'm a huge fan of, uh, of, uh, pull-ups, jumps. Um, I think it's something I, for me, I didn't even probably was maybe like five years ago. I started doing them and I just, I hadn't done them since I was like in high school. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of doing them. I think for me, it's more of a philosophical question. And, and I'd like to hear what you guys think is, um, why do weighted chin-ups? I mean, obviously you're going to, you know, if you're able to develop that, that ability, you're obviously building more strength in your, in your, you know, lats and, and uh, other pulling uh, muscles. But, um, do you do, do you do weighted pull-ups much? Oh, me? Yeah. Cause I, I wouldn't want to be doing sets of like 20. <laughs> so it's, so it's, it's to me, you have to think of, and this was something that came from when I was doing gymnastics seminars for CrossFit gyms is you have to start thinking about body weight exercises, just like any other lift. So a handstand push up is just a shoulder press, a, a weighted pull up is just a lat pull down. So on a lat pull down, as you get stronger, you know, the pin moves down the bar. Well, if you just keep doing body weight pull-ups, you're going to be able to add reps, but you're never actually adding any strength. You're gaining endurance. And if, if I'm doing pull-ups and I'm trying to gain muscle mass and I want to work in that eight to 12 repetition range, I'm going to need to add weight in order to make those actually difficult by those eight to 12. But when it comes to like a, a one rep max pull-up, um, I don't think that it's, it's, completely necessary. I, I like, you know, threes and fives, typically with a one rep max pull up, you end up people like, you know, their shoulders are elevated. They're like jerking their chin over the bar to try to hit it. Um, I don't think you need to establish like a one rep max, but I think sets of five, like heavy weighted pull-ups with your chest, like touching the bar or weighted chin ups, getting all the way up, um, is a great way to build strength. That's going to carry over to, you know, your overhead pressing exercises. Cause your back is a stabilizer carries over to your deadlifts. Um, when I was doing strongman, we would do, you know, really heavy weighted pull-ups and sets of threes and fives just to build your back up. I think though, the average, the problem is, I think the average person, uh, this is my opinion, um, the average person working out tends to ignore um, chin-ups, pull-ups. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, you know, trying to, I remember, you know, when I, like I said, five years ago, I was able to do two, two, you know, and I'm in decent enough shape. I mean, um, yeah, but I could, I could barely get through two unweighted, you know, pull-ups. And, and so, you know, it's for the average person, you know, trying to get them even started is, is just huge. And because it's such a frustrating thing for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but Chris, you doing two, uh, unassisted chin-ups, that would technically be like 97.5% of your one rep max. And your one rep max may have been your body weight plus two and a half pounds or something. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who, you know, it, maybe they are really good at pull-ups and they can do a weighted, they can do two at 45 pounds, their projected one rep max would be like 55. So you have to almost think of it as you know, your, your body weight that you're moving, it's the same as if you had it on the lat pull-down machine. Uh, 
pulling it, the bar down rather than you pulling yourself up. So, um, yeah, I'd say for, you know, like Delaney was saying, you would, you would program for it just like you would any other strength lift. Um, but you know, I wouldn't have somebody start weighted chin-ups cause it is, you know, a lot of weight pulling you down on your shoulders. I wouldn't have somebody starting weighted chin-ups until they could do sets of sets, multiple sets of 10 body weight. That um, makes sense. Just cause you know, That's, a lot of people, yeah. yeah. A lot of people, when they're doing pull-ups, they just drop and kind of just yank on their shoulders. And that's a lot of force pulling you down if you have, you know, weight pulling you plus your body weight. Um, same thing with, I, I never had people doing like uh, deficit handstand push-ups or kipping handstand push-ups in CrossFit until they could do, you know, eight to 10 strict handstand push-ups just because you have to build a base level of strength with body weight movements before you move on with it. You know? All right, let's jump back up now to Garrett's question. And Delaney, I think we've got you for three more minutes here, so we'll let you answer this one first. Uh, and this is Dr. Garrett Fullen from okay. Kinetics Physiotherapy and Performance. He asks, if I get to oh, bed late... Hi. <laughs> well, <laughs> Garrett wants to know, if I get to bed late or sleep poorly, let's say five hours of sleep, what is more impactful, impactful for my health, getting out of bed to work out or sleeping another one to two hours? Okay, uh, so... I know most people, including us in our hearts, would say working out for one to two hours, but really you need to sleep for that. I mean, I'm sorry, not working out for one to two hours, but working out. But realistically, it's going to be much better for your health to get that extra sleep and recover um, versus trying to squeeze in a workout. And also, if you think about it, if you're working out and you're that exhausted, you're probably not going to get a lot out of your workout and you're not going to get a lot from your body anyway. <laughs> so I would say sleep. <laughs> Yeah. Cause, and your recovery is impacted. So your, your hormone levels are impacted. So your recovery yeah. is impacted. Your, uh, aerobic capacity is compa- impacted. Your maximal strength is impacted. So yeah, it's almost like, you know, you, you would be going through the motions, but would it even be worth it? Chris, what do you think? You know, it's really an interesting question because, um, I think most any studies that have been done have said they're both equally important, right? You need you need you need to move and exercise, and and they both benefit each other, right? You're working out, you're gonna you hopefully gonna get a better night's sleep because you're you're tired from working out, but you need that sleep to recover, and be able to produce a good workout. So they're they're really I tend to I tend to agree with Delaney. Um, and go back to bed, but um, <laughs> they are it's it's a tough one. I mean um, you. Unfortunately, you want them both, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing to hear, though, is it sounds like this is like a one-off thing. Like this is he got to bed late or he had a really bad night of sleep. I would say acutely, it's not going to matter at all. In fact, you know, I did a podcast a long time ago about what happens if you did nothing, absolutely nothing for two weeks, what would happen to your strength and your muscle mass? And nothing happens with two weeks of inactivity. So missing one workout is not going to do anything to right. you missing right. one night of sleep like that and getting up two hours, you know, getting up two hours earlier and trying to work out is going to throw you off for the next day and maybe impact your sleep the next night. So then you could start, you know, or you risk getting injured if you're trying to rush your workout and you don't warm up well and you haven't slept well and you're not focusing and that could lead to you injuring yourself and then you being sidelined for a long time. So I would prioritize sleep 
However, I know some people who have really strange work schedules where they can only sleep, you know, five hours. And the only way they can work out is if they go work out and then, you know, go back to work or do something and then come home and nap. And they have this really weird sleeping schedule. But if they stayed and slept in, they would never work out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the tough part, you know, acutely, which is what Garrett's asking about. Yeah. Sleep. Don't work out. Sleep in is not going to do anything. But if your schedule is you can only work out if you skip that hour of sleep, um, I would say make those the best five hours of sleep of ever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and really prioritize, you know, winding down and having your room set up so you can sleep deeply and, and maybe try to sneak in a nap during the day or something to get more sleep or condense your workouts to maybe only two days a week so you can sleep more consistently throughout the week. Um, but yeah, one night of bad sleep, just skip your workout. Delaney, we'll say bye to you. I don't want you to be late Hello. for your client. Sounds yep. good. Bye guys. <laughs> See ya. All right, Chris, we'll jump into our last one here. Karen wants to know, so to become a coach, do I need to become certified or have an AA or a bachelor's degree or just experience? Well, I, I think you absolutely need to be certified. There are a lot yes. of uh, people out there that are, are claiming to be, you know, trainers, personal trainers. And they really, other than they may have been working out themselves a lot uh, and, and the, you know, some good knowledge, but without, you know, that, that certification and the, the amount of stuff you go through for that, I think it's, I think it's critical. And honestly, you know, and you know my background, I didn't have any science-based education at all. And and so, you know, getting the certification for me was much harder because I had no anatomy or physiology, you know, and at least if you have like kinesiology or an exercise science degree, even if it's an AA, you know, it's you you know, before you go into the certification, you're, you're much better off. Yeah. And the tough thing now is that if you have a phone and you can take good pictures and good videos, and I don't know, some people showing off their bodies and get a huge following and call yourself a fitness coach, you're not actually calling yourself a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. You're a fitness coach. You're not certified. You don't have any education behind it. And you can start selling programs online and, and people are buying into it. And there's the whole, you know, all these steps that they skip that are actually going to make them effective coaches, but also, you know, make them trustworthy to the people who are buying their, their products and are able to have them, you know, backed up by liability insurance, which you can really only get if you present certification. So, Karen, if you're looking to get, if you're looking to become a, a personal trainer, you need to get certified and you, you need to be certified so that you can, you know, train people legally in gyms and be certified to, or sorry, insured to protect yourself, especially if you're doing this as a sole proprietor. Um, but having an AA or a bachelor's degree is not necessary. You'll typically make more money at a gym if you have a degree in a related field, but it's not entirely necessary for you to become a personal trainer. But yeah, like Chris said, you, you as a minimum is the certification. Uh, and then, yeah. um, you know, Delaney actually just got her performance enhancement specialist certification. Before that, she got her 
corrective exercise specialist certification. Before she got that, she got her USA weightlifting coach certification. And before that, she got her certified personal trainer certification. So she's adding on these certifications. And during, during all of this, in the same way that I did with, you know, the past 13 years of certifications and continuing education, is you keep building on what you've learned as a coach and you're learning new things and how to apply it and how to train different populations. And Chris, you just did a TRX uh, course for your continuing education. Yep. So we're learning how to use, you know, different pieces of equipment, different ways of training people. So that's all the stuff that comes after so that we can continue to bring value to the people that we work with. But as a minimum, you have to have a certification. That's kind of your, your entry into this field. Uh, Right now, people, you know, they do a couple of, of dances on TikTok and call themselves a fitness coach. And, you know, they get a big following and that's, that's not the right way to go about it. The the way to go about it is you get your certification and you start training people and actually getting actual real world experience as a trainer or virtual, if you're training them online. Uh, And then, you know, if you want to build up your following online, just kind of document that process of you, you know, becoming a trainer and, and working with people and don't worry so much about the stuff that you're seeing online uh, and worry more about actually coaching. (laughs) Yeah, totally agree with you. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Delaney, if you're listening to this. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) No problem. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you could take a second to subscribe to the show, leave me a rating, and share this episode with a friend, that would be awesome. We are Straight Shot Training on social media, and again, the website is straightshottraining.com. Thanks again, and have a great week, everybody.